Welcome to the John Lyon Podcast, episode 61. Um, today, we have a new guest, Sean Gallagher. Um, I've known him since I was two or three, or I guess he's known me since I was two or three. Uh, it's kind of it's supposed to be like a fun topic day or just a random topic day, not really an interview, but it kind of turned into an interview. But uh, he's a uh, educational or a school psychologist here in this area, and uh, we just kind of talked about parenting I'm I have an eight-month-old, and He's got a couple of kids and we kind of just talked about his life and how he met our family and how that kind of changed his life and the trajectory for where he went and why he decided to major in these things and, and become a school psychologist. So it was a really, really cool story. And I, I learned a lot of details that I didn't know about his family life because he had a pretty rough upbringing. But um, yeah, because I was too young to remember any of that stuff. But no, it was a really good talk. We talk a lot about parenting and, and making sure our kids uh, have things t- tough things that they go through and and sometimes that if uh we give them an option to give up that can sometimes create anxiety because they don't want to do the hard or tough things anymore and we kind of talked a lot about this new thing called lawnmower parenting because the last generation or a couple of years ago or in the 90s was helicopter parenting so anyway uh it was a fun episode uh sean's a talker i'm a talker so it was really good and uh enjoy this episode of the john lyon podcast episode 61 good sound it's the best sound and i didn't have it for like three and a half years so um but now i'm addicted to this because i have like four of these a day and my mouth is literally watering i mean pavlov's dog that that 100 worked right there talking about psychology oh it's coming out his nose that's gotta burn oh you're making me laugh Whew. well <coughs> oh man it's been a Sorry. couple weeks since i've uh, done a podcast last one was uh, malachi hair hair uh, stylist barber oh cool um, I, I still can't believe that I'm on the John Lyon podcast. podcast. Yes, yeah. you are. This is episode 61. Oh, I missed 60, dude. That's, yeah. So this this is going to, it could be like an interview one, but it's not really. It's just going to be a fun topic week one. Yeah. But it could be some heavy content. So, um, but first. I'll try not to cry. Yeah. <laughs> first is, well, first off. Don't you have your fun fact? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We got Sean Gallagher on the John Lyon podcast. Um, we've known each other. Well, I've, you've known me since I was like, what, three or four? How many years? I, I was 14. And I'm um, 31 now. Oh, geez. So you're like So I knew you years, when you were like... You're 13 or 14 years older than me? Because you're Spencer's age. Right. So you, I don't, you said I suck at math. That's you're 31 why. right now, so you're 11 yeah. years behind me. Yeah. So, so then, I knew you when you were two. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Wow. And I didn't know anything when right. I was two. Um, yeah. So we'll get in a little bit of why you're on the podcast okay. in a bit. But fun fact: I pull all my fun facts from Reddit, um, and this one made me chuckle. So I hope it makes... from that for them. You get no, not at all. <laughs> uh, so it says the Brazilian wandering spider. Its venom can force an erection on somebody who's bitten. That's pretty awesome, man. Scientists hope they can use this venom for future drugs against erectile dysfunction. Sorry, say the name of the spider again? It's called the Brazilian Wandering Spider. Oh. So it's Brazilian... So we go to Brazil. That would be... I wonder how they found that out. You know, I mean, how many times did it take somebody to be coming into the 
hospital. Dude, dude, I got this problem. It's been here for like three hours. I got bit a little while ago. And what if it was just a crazy correlation? Right. That they happened to be turned on while they got bit by a spider. Yeah, that is really, oh my. Just imagine like you hear about spiders. And, and, and does, how... Is it a spider bite anywhere on your body or did it have to be in that I specific think it's just, area? I, it just says the venom. Gotcha. It can gotcha. force. So it's even, it's a non-voluntary yeah. erection. Dude, every, all the stuff that we find out is amazing. Like how, how did someone decide that you can eat spinach but not grass? Like, I mean, along the way, have we tried all this stuff? Oh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. You know, like. Because does grass even have any like nutritional value in it? I mean, it? to a cow it does, I guess, but. Humans are just kind of boring. Right. We go for the spinach, which doesn't have much flavor either. <laughs> it tastes like nickels. But just imagine like all the crap you hear about deadly spiders growing up. Right. And you get bit and you're like, oh crap, I'm going to die. My arm's going to go numb. Right. My blood's going to coagulate. Yeah. And instead you get a freaking boner. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> so, and this is especially funny for you because you have a bit of a fear of spiders, don't no, you? No, no. Spencer did. Oh, Spencer. He overcame that fear, but it was not because he got bit by one of these. <laughs> You might have liked them then. Uh, yeah, no. Sorry, sorry Spencer. He also just owns a bunch of Brazilian wandering spiders. Like, right. What the heck is are you? That what that is? Oh, why do you have all these spiders all of a sudden? Oh, no reason. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Sean has been in our uh, family friend circle, almost like an extra kid. And you've known me since I was two. You met Spencer mm-hmm. when he was, you guys are both like what? 14. 14? Yep. That's crazy. So uh, you are a... School psychologist. School psychologist, yep. And you, what did you major in at school? At school? So my undergrad was, um, so it's in the marriage, family, human development route, which not a lot of colleges have, but they do have the human development. And, that, and that's the route I took. I, t- I was a human development yeah. uh, route. So I took, a, you know, infant development, child development, adolescent development, adult development, um, cognitive development, social development, personality development, all the development. That's a lot of development. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Um, you know, it's funny, uh, second year uh, into the job, and this is after. So anyways, I got I got that degree, and then, which is basically, like, it transfers as a psychology degree. Uh-huh. Um, and anyways, so I went uh, and got my EDS, which is basically a double master's. It, it's two master's programs put into one program, so they call so it EDS. So you get it done quicker? And that one was actually in educational psychology. Okay. So that's where I got the, the counseling and the, um, yeah, just all that stuff. Anyways, and... Um, in that, it was so funny. We did infant development, child development, cognitive development. You know, it was the same classes over again. So I yeah. literally had I mean, most of them twice. Uh, first year. Was it kind of boring going through the same classes or was it, was it at least from a different perspective? No, it was, it was actually really good because at this point now I'm learning them for a career. Like I knew the career I was getting into. So, you know, as you, as you listen to it, you're like, okay. But there was just so much material. I mean, I remember this one class. Uh, it was five. So it was one semester class um, and it was five textbooks like that were two inches thick each. Ugh. It was 1,500 pages of text a week where we had a five-question quiz. and You just made me not interested in this oh potential career. Oh, my gosh. It was such a hard semester. <laughs> um, and Because you didn't know what the five questions are. I mean, you miss one question. That's a B. You miss two. You're looking at And you can't D+. just guess because they're going to pick five no, random questions right. out of this 1,500, 1,500 pages, of... pages a week. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, it was pretty bad. So, uh, unfortunately, the learning became... How can I play the game? How can I get the grade? More book right? work, memorization. Um, right, instead of actually learning the material. And so what's funny about this is that I've literally learned it twice, undergrad and graduate work. And I was out with, uh, it was I swear it, was, it had to be the first week, I don't know, of school, but um, I was new. And this mom pulls me aside, uh, virtually in tears. I was working at elementary school. And she says, my son, you know, is, is six years old and can't 
um, you know, attend to a task at all. Like, he is that distracted? Is, yeah, it just gets distracted really easy. And um, the kid was half Hispanic, and 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 later as an adult, I learned that 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 different cultures kind of, you know, kids kids, I don't know, the cultures can influence behavior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, anyways, he looks me dead in the eye and says, "Is that normal for a six year old boy?" And I stared at her with just the blankest expression. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, I went to school twice for this, and I literally cannot answer your question. I think I got an A on that test when I took that test, but I can't answer your question. I Is felt you horrible. Told her? No, oh. no, I, t- I told her that that I, I I'm under the impression that you know the kid's okay. You know, let me look into it. And and I went back to the professors and I'm like, oh my gosh, they asked me this question. I didn't know the answer. And so they helped me figure out how I can find the answer and and help that that lady because the answer isn't you know black or white. And I didn't know this. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a scale. It's, it's, is he within the average range? Is it that he can never really attend to that? You know, that sort of thing. But I think it's funny that, that that's what school does though. You know, we're, well, we're you so concerned about the grade and actually learning, you know, the material the and life how, experience. Right, how much. So you, how many degrees do you have? So I ended up getting the double masters and then I got, uh, an equivalent of a third master degree in educational leadership. Do you have a PhD? Um, no, see, that's funny. I wish it's I would like, have. I can't call you, you Dr. Know, Gallagher. I kept thinking. There's no way I'm going to get a PhD. Like it's just too much score. Well, yeah. But I ended well, up doing dissertations were like school. 300 pages long or something. Yeah. So I did. A, I did a thesis which was just under 100 pages long, and that was hard enough. But um, what's funny is that I. I mean, I almost didn't graduate high school. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, none, none of my siblings. I'm, I'm the oldest of five kids, and none of my siblings graduated high school. So yeah, let's go into that. Let's give give us a little bit of your background. So, um, so you met Spencer at 14. Yeah, I met Spencer, and that you lived down you know, the street from us. Let's just have that on the record that, that meeting you and your family is pretty much what saved my life. <laughs> um, cool. The, before that, so I was 12, no 11 when my parents divorced and we went to go live with my mom, uh, who had lupus and it was pretty severe. Um, in that by the time I was 12, she was bedridden yeah. for the rest of her life when she died. Cause I remember when I came over as a kid and we used to play Mortal Kombat two when we weren't allowed to. She'd yeah. be in her, in her Oh, yeah. We, I mean, we just, and your house was the same layout as ours. Yeah, it was awesome. So it was downstairs. So her room was my dad's office. Yeah. Yeah. And so, we had to have that because she couldn't yeah. do the stairs. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, and you had the bathroom just right across the way. Yep. Um, I, there is no ill feelings I have towards my mom. Uh-huh. Um, she did the best she could with what she had. Um, so how old would she been when So she, she died when she was 46. So when did, when, she, when did she get diagnosed with lupus? 19. Oh, so she with it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It just obviously got progressively worse as she got older. Right, so, got yeah, older. so uh, for those of you who don't know, lupus is, is typically a, a female, um, I think 5% of lupus um, carriers or whatever um, are men, but but mostly, mostly and, and those are mild cases. Um, and there's two different kinds. There's there's the derm- dermatology kind of lupus, which is uh, skin rashes, things like that, that the sun brings out. Um, and then there's the internal one. And, and ultimately it... it it's kind of like a cancer moving AIDS. You know, mm-hmm. at the worst it ever got, she took chemotherapy. Yeah. Um, and when I say AIDS, it affects your immune system. So she would get a cold and instead of it lasting for, you know, a week or two, it would, it, it would last, you know, six months, you know, kind of thing. Does lupus also affect your legs? Is that what I'm... So, I mean, it can. So it, it basically... She didn't walk much, right? It, it moves around. No, for her, it affected her bones. And that oh. wasn't so much the lupus as it was the medicine that she took to combat the, the lupus. Oh, uh, okay. So she took a lot of steroids and things like that to... Um, help manage it. And, and her case was pretty severe. You know, I don't want, I don't want to paint the wrong picture. I mean, there are people that live normal, healthy lives with lupus. Yeah. You know? Um, 
so it, it moved around her body a lot. You know, it ate one of her kidneys. Um, it went to her brain one time, uh, and that really changed her personality, and she she became a little bit more depressed, uh, paranoid even. And that's when the divorce happened with with my dad. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> and so um, when, when the divorce did happen, all five of us decided to live with our mom. And you know, you're the oldest. And I'm the oldest of the five. Yeah. Um, and with her not working, you know, we lived off welfare, right? We lived off, it was actually disability, but the, the check is very similar to welfare. It's from the government. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, you know, minimal. <laughs> five kids and it's $800 a month. I mean, it doesn't oh, really freak. cover a lot. So my dad ch- paid child support the best he could. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't, he didn't have a great job. I think at the time he made like $17 an hour. So it's not like child support was really a lot because they take a percentage of yeah. of that. And um, my dad ended up getting remarried. Um and I don't want to go into too much detail, but basically that, that wife um, and my mom did not get along. And, and a little bit of that transferred over to us kids. So when we went to go visit my dad, like we didn't, I mean, we knew my dad loved us, but we didn't really feel that from her. And so as, as the two oldest, me and Darren, um, as we got older, we, we kind of went to my dad's house less. And, and mom really, she was, like I said, she was paranoid and she really thought that, that my dad was was, would take us away from her. And mm-hmm. so she built this fear in us that dad's going to take a, her, you know, us away and we, we can't leave mom. So we would lie to him and tell him everything's fine when things weren't. I mean, there were, there were times we were just starving. I mean, I'll get into maybe the first time I went over to your guys' house, uh, at least the first time I remember going to your house in just a second. But um, uh, I don't want to make this, this podcast too long. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fine. trying to think of how to shorten this. Hey, to make a long story longer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's my catchphrase. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of what I want to cut out. Uh, um, Maybe basically, just... I don't. I don't want to paint my dad as a bad, yeah, yeah. absent dad um, because we hid it from him. But but the truth of the matter is, if he knew everything that was going on, he would have been there. I, oh, I think maybe he would have taken us, you know, and we would have had maybe a better life. I, I don't know. You know, you don't know what can't didn't change happen. the past. Yeah. Um, my mom, she, life would have been hard, you know, for my mom. And for all I know, she would have taken her life if, if my dad took us. You know, so I, I don't know. But yeah. like I said, there were times we were starving. You know, we lived off of um, welfare food from from our church. Yeah. Um, you know, Desert Industries food was popular for us. And, and the Relief Society president or, or, you know, someone in the church would come and, and deliver the food every month. And yeah. it would last, you know, a good week, maybe two weeks. And then after that, the rest of the month, we kind of had to... You know, we were Fend on our own. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, there were times that the only thing in the kitchen was, you know, peanut butter. So you just figured out a spoon. It's a lot of protein. Oh, yeah, fat. protein. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> Sugar, too. Um, anyways, and so we, we kind of, we moved a little bit around. We lived in Paris, actually, for a little. I don't know if you knew. Mm. Lived in a, um, we shared a, uh, what's that called? A mobile home with another family. And there were two families living in a mobile home. So you can imagine what that was like. Ooh, um, in Paris, California. In Paris, California. P-E-R-R-I-S. Yep. yep. Um, and then luckily, you know, we met that, I, I don't know how the Millers did. Did you, do you remember the Millers? Yeah. They owned the home that we lived in and they rented to us for so cheap and they just saw a need and, and were willing to take less rent to help yeah. this family. And so, and that was a, a blessing for us because then I was able to meet Spencer. So they own the home that you guys so lived they, in? Yeah. In that cul-de-sac? Five, yeah. In that cul-de-sac. Yeah. Uh, okay. And that's how we were able to live with you so guys. I don't know a lot of these details because I was a lot younger. We, we actually lived in right next to Marina Valley High School. I don't know if you remember. Yep. Um, and just Cottonwood. I mean, just ghetto. Yeah. And it was bad. I don't and, call it and, ghetto, but. Oh, gosh, it was so bad. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> Wait, you don't? Why don't you no, call it ghetto? Well, it's a different podcast, but I, I know Moreno Valley is ghetto, but when I lived in Philly for two years, like oh, it's, hard to I con- see. it's hard to convince me that like, it's that ghetto. Like I it, get it. Yeah. There's a difference between yeah. – there's two things I have to determine, and this will sound really bad, but there's ghetto people and there's ghetto-looking places – I would argue that Moville has ghetto people. Right. But the, it wasn't it, ghetto looking. Over, if you just drove the, by it, you Yeah, it'd be, be like whatever. But like yeah. if you drive in Philadelphia, yeah. that's some sketch stuff. Yeah. And plus those houses are a couple hundred years old. So right. anyway. hundred years old. That's funny. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I, I remember one of the first times coming over your guys' house, we were doing homework. I think it was math homework and Spencer was helping me with it. And I I remember the whole time I was over there, I mean, I just thought Spencer was so cool. And why in the world was he hanging out with me? I mean, I, <laughs> I saw pictures of, of me and, you know, loose, loose collars around the neck this and they were like shredded a little 90s bit. Then, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was just a scared guy, you know, cause of all the fights and, and stuff I got into and. I remember I wanted to make a name for myself when I went to Marineville High School my, my freshman year because I, I didn't know Spencer my freshman year. I met him um, at the, at the, during the summer of my sophomore year. And is that when you switched over to Valley View? Yeah. Okay. And um, anyways, I, I had gotten picked on in, in a lot of fights in junior high when I lived in Palmdale, California. So when we moved to Marina Valley, I thought, I'm going to make a name for myself. The first kid that, that tries to cause trouble with me, I'm, I'm going to take him out. I'm, I'm a scrapper. <laughs> I, I can do this. I believed in my skills. <laughs> So we're walking down the hall and crowded hall and, and, and this guy's coming towards me. And so I, I kind of move my shoulder to get out of his way and he still leans into me purposely to hit me. And I thought, Oh, this is it. You know, he's about my size, about my weight. This is at Valley or this is at Marina Valley. Marina Valley High School. So I took out my backpack. I'm like, you know, no, I looked at him funny. He goes, man, you got a problem Holmes. You know? And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I wonder what ethnicity he was. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So I threw off my backpack and I'm like, yeah, let's go. And I was totally amped and I, I have no friends. I don't know anybody there. And. Sure enough, he's got like 20 friends right behind him, and uh, he pulls out a six-inch blade. Ooh. What do you, what do, you do? Uh, I'm trying to make a name for myself. You apologize? Yeah. So I ran. I ran away. Because, I mean, he was going to stab me. <laughs> then the very next day, I got jumped. By the same group of people? No, just different. I, I mean, we're travel. Like, I was I was somebody to be picked on. Yeah. Some, for all I know, someone saw it and thought, oh, yeah, that's the kid. Yeah. And it was horrible. Man, it was I, – I, I broke both my arms. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, this is all before I met you. So yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Tell you any of this, I remember when you broke your leg at that car place. Oh yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um. So anyway, so I moved and met Spencer, and I'm, I'm over your guys' house, and um, I could smell the dinner, and this was one of those. It was the end of the two week, you know, end of the month, so we didn't have food in our house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I come around. So, so your mom announces that dinner's ready. You know, okay, guys, stop dinner's doing your homework because we were up in Spencer's room. Yeah. And so we come down and I don't know if she saw on my face, you know, this longing. I'm looking at that. It, I thought it was Thanksgiving. She had this big old KitchenAid thing full, full of like peanut mounding butter. of, yeah, no peanut butter. It was mounding with this. Mashed potatoes. That were peeled. I yep. mean, these things were like. I used to have to peel them when I got I want to say it was poor man's steak that uh, day with the mushrooms. I hate that. Yeah. Ugh. So you guys hated it. Yeah, and but you and I think this it. was my shoe in the door here for your family because well anyways she's she I, I don't know I don't know her perspective and, and even if she remembers this day but she must have saw my face and just my jaw dropped open and and I was trying to not be rude and, and impose that hey I'm here you have to feed me yeah, so yeah. I, I kind of was putting on my backpack acting like I'm leaving and and like I said I don't know if it's because she looked at my face or what but she she's Sean do you want to stay for dinner and I can I can almost see myself crying out of joy and be like yeah yes I do you know yeah. what are you having this and I'm like oh my gosh it's gonna be great and as I'm eating it I'm just constantly complimenting you know your mom on on the food and and that's probably what 
made it to where she invited me the next day, you know, to, yeah, yeah, cause she yeah. was like, Oh, my kids are always backing on me cause of my food and yep. finally found someone who, who liked it. So, um, I, I do remember it was interesting. Your, your dad, um, you know, before and no one's eating the food. Oh, we were eating the mashed potatoes. No, 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 no. I'm talking about when we all sat. So someone like, like set plates out. Yeah. Another person brought over the food. Like I would have been about two then or three. It was right? crazy. Yeah. So I wasn't yeah. even remember this. I stuff. think you were in a high chair. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And um, before no one touches the food, and yeah. I'm trying to figure out like why why can't I eat this food? And your dad's like, you know, who wants to bless it? Uh-huh. And says, you know, I will. And your dad says his prayer. And for the first time in a long time, because I mean, you realize I'm coming from. I mean, my my home life wasn't the greatest. There there was this one time, my mom was particularly not doing well and lupus might have gone to her brain or, or chemical imbalance of some sort was going on that day. She was crying a lot and her mascara was smeared and you can just picture it going down her cheek as it's mm-hmm. smeared. And I don't know why she thought she'd add on to it by doing lipstick just kind of from cheek to cheek lipstick and it just like looked a like a clown. It was horrible. It was yeah. scary and her hair was all messy. And she came out and yelled at me for like 45 minutes and blaming me for, for her bad life, you know, and, and I was twitching. Yeah. I was so messed up after that. I was twitching. So, I mean, home life is, isn't that great. Um, I, I felt like the community wasn't that great. I mean, I got jumped. I, yeah, you yeah. Know, New different school things. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was just... Everything in life was sucking. It was, so my stomach was just constantly upside down. I was just nervous. And for the first time sitting at this dinner table, um, it wasn't. It, it was... I, I felt this peace, you know, and it was great. And then it just so happened right after dinner, you know, uh, we didn't have this order in our house. Like, it wasn't like somebody cleans up. And you guys had this chart of, like, yep. who, did the, who put the dishes away. And, and I'm like, how can I help? And I, I think I ended out. up sweeping the ground or something. And it was a Monday night. And uh, your dad or your mom said, you know, hey, we, we have something called family reunion. You want to you wanna stay? And I, I remember tears coming in my eyes. And I was like, yes, yes, please. You did know. you feel bad about the rest of your siblings not getting in on any of this? So it's funny you mentioned that. I went to counseling as an adult for that. What do you mean? Because I, I feel guilty. Oh, I feel guilty. I'm you, the only one that graduated high school. So you feel guilty looking back at your life that you're the one who found this yeah, family absolutely. that helped you out, but yeah. none of your other siblings did? Yeah. I mean, oh. Darren every now and then came over, but I yeah. felt like, hey, Spencer's my friend. Like, this is my territory. Ah, uh, I just And so I, I would, you know, as much as I could push Darren away. And, and not not a lot. I mean, Darren, I, to this day, I would say Darren's my best friend, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But... Um, and then that also meant that I was absent. I wasn't at my house. I wasn't there to help make sure the kids did have food or did you, their homework. Because you found or, something that grounded you right. with happiness and a right. normalcy right. at somewhere else. And right. then that became your so, go-away place. Right. Your, and so uh, this is ultimately what led me into the career that I chose. Yeah. Right. I mean, try, trying to get back to Exactly, the background. To that. Um, can we tell a funny – oh, wait. Can, can, you can finish well, your thing and we'll con- – Yeah, so, so luckily – the Lyon family adopted me and they not they even, really, but it was right. like a, they even air carried quotes me. adopted. They even, yeah, air quotes. They even, so after my mission, you know, my mom had died while I was on my mission. And you went to Croatia? Croatia. Oh so, yeah. Mission is a, what's it called? Religious excursion. Religious excursion. Yeah. For anyone who's not right from the Church of Jesus Christ. Let's Latter-day not Saints. assume because the culture here and stuff. <laughs> um, my, 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 I came back right before Christmas my dad told me this would have been like ninety eight. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I, I guess that, but whatever. My my mom had died while I was on my mission, so the kids were all kind of split up. Uh, Darren and Casey went to go live on their own, and my dad and his wife had the two younger ones, and things were hard for the the new wife, you know, having the kids in the home. And so my dad told me, "Hey, you know, uh, you can stay through Christmas, 
but if you can find a place to be to live, that'd be great. And I, I literally had nothing. Yeah. I mean, when my mom died, Darren, poor Darren had to deal with that house and got rid of everything. I mean, I, my the, surfboards, the house you know, down my the yearbook. I, I don't even own a yearbook, you know. Or, yeah, yeah. I don't have baby pictures. I don't, I mean, my whole past, what I owned was four, 14 dirty shirts and two dirty suits in a suitcase and P-Day clothes. Yeah. That's what I owned in my name. And I was like, oh, well, okay, dad, I guess I'll figure it out. And, and, and he was sincere and he was really worried about, you know, his marriage and, and how to take care of those kids. And, and he's viewing me as an independent person. Cause so, you just, because you've been gone for two years living independently right, for the most part. Right. Yeah. So luckily the lions again, opened their home at this time. Now I can live with you guys. And I remember it was one of the first, um, I would have been now I would have been around 11, 10 oh, or 11. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. I think you would have been exactly 11. Yeah. Yep. And I'm sharing the room with you and your younger brother, David. Yes. And, uh, it's a big bonus room, big bonus room. It's the front room of the house. If you're looking at the house, eventually became the band room as we got older when people yeah. started playing instruments. But the way it was set up is if you walked in to the left was like, did we have the drums yet? No, we didn't have the drums yet. But anyway, there's the closet and then all the way to the right were all the beds. Right. And did Spencer sleep in there too at the time? No, no, it was just you. It was us three. So you and David and me. Oh, no, because Spencer's bed was to the left. There's well, all Spencer, f- Spencer wasn't in there. Oh, I don't know. But so then we, At least the, to my knowledge. we had the bunk beds and then you would pull out a mattress. Uh-huh, like a from, bed type thing. From yeah. below uh-huh. uh, my bed. Yeah. And then you would come home from hanging out at night. Mm-hmm. Work, pro- mostly working. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And are we talking about the same story? Yeah. Or Reno, our dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> S- yeah. So... <laughs> So you had to turn the I'm, light I'm, on though to, yeah. to change. So to I'm changing my clothes and, and I'm, you know, at, at this point, I don't know, I guess I hadn't thought about not changing in front of kids. Yeah. And you know, yeah, yeah. some degree, you're like my brother and I wouldn't, I would, you know what I'm saying? It didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting undressed and I still have my, my shirt on. Yeah. Um, but I had pulled down my, my pants and underwear. Yeah. And I'm covered at this point because my shirt, I'm hunched over and my shirt's hanging down. It's covering my front at least, right? And I was like 11. I thought it was funny. That and I look, I look up guy. at you guys and you guys are just staring at me. Yeah. Like this guy's changing in our room. And I realized, oh, this might be inappropriate. And you guys are probably sitting maybe. We're probably giggling six, or something like six, that. seven feet away from me. And, and, and then, you're sitting. So you're lower than me, right? You're sitting and I'm standing. And yeah, you're just yeah, on yeah. the ground. No, no. And, I'm laying on my bed. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Reno, their dog, a mid-sized dog, um, just sticks his cold, wet nose right up my butt. <laughs> And I'm, so I'm, I'm covering, I'm, I'm trying. So I'm on the front and I'm picture yourself holding your shirt to cover your crotch. And then he sticks his nose at my butt. And I immediately, the reaction is to then thrust forward. And you like ran towards me. So I thrusted forward. And at this point, my hands now come up and basically just, just shared, shared myself with like, John's face. Like two feet in front of my face. Yeah. And so I feel horrible. So, so him and I have a, an intimate connection. But how I got you back was, I don't know how many weeks later, how many months later, I got the stomach flu. So I was throwing up. And Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> you, I, I've tried to get got, this out of my mind. You got home and you were in bed. And so my I, bed's right b- b- below me. his. Yeah. It's, all I have to do is turn to the left and there's, the, there's you. Yep. And I threw up yep. all over you. Yep. But- I don't know if this is good or bad. None of it got on you, but you felt it all because it landed all on the blanket. It was still disgusting. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine the so smell. Then you were like pissed, like, gross. here, take a bucket. And I'll, all I could say was, sorry, because I was yeah. like super sick. That's how yeah. I got you back for 
show me your your jewels. Yeah, sorry, so, man. Sorry. So is this a kid show? Hopefully this isn't. I mean, no. I, I'm sorry um, for being inappropriate if I was. But um, so that's kind of the history in a nutshell. Yep. We could do a longer so, podcast on your. So what history, ultimately? But. Yeah. So the fact that I graduated high school. So. I, you know, I, I don't want to paint the picture that my, my siblings aren't successful. Uh, Darren, the one just younger than me, um, ended up getting a great job. He he works um, in L.A. Um, a lot and, and does video for, like, Laker games, Angels games. Dodgers yeah. games. I mean, he, he really does. He's worked hard, and he's made a name for himself, just been successful. The one just younger than us, though, I mean, he started doing drugs when he was, um, you know, 13. Uh, we grew it in our house even sometimes. And... <laughs> Now it's legal. Yeah, well, yeah. So I can say that. I guess maybe don't don't come get me. Um, sorry. He he just yeah he just never kind of got out of that, and so he ended up getting a girl pregnant when he was seventeen, and married her by eighteen. Um, she they they had two kids. She couldn't handle uh, his addiction and and things like that. So by the time he was twenty, he was divorced, and then would be homeless. For the next ten years, you know, you know that guy on the side of the road that you see asking for money. And you don't, you know darn well that he's going to use it for drugs. Yeah, that, that, that was my brother, and just he was all like around Southern California. An old Vietnam vet no, with beard. You he know, looks like a younger guy. It was just sad, and there was just times where we just never knew where he was. There was one time where our cousins saw him on the side of the road right before a Christmas party that we were having in Southern California, and said, "Hey, your family's all getting together. You want to see him?" And he's like, "Sure." So he brings, it. and that well, was this like is the before first cell phones were. A this big is thing. yeah, yeah. So you don't even this know is where the he first was. time we saw him in like five years, and. Anyways, you know, I always knew that the phone call would come, but, you know, we eventually got a phone call and, and um, they, they found his body uh, in, a, in a river in Colorado when he was 30. But that was a rafting trip, wasn't it? It was, uh, like a, no, it was. Wasn't a white, it water was, rafting? It was pool toys ah. in, in a river. And, 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 you know, we all like to believe that maybe he was trying to get sober and that drugs maybe didn't have something to do with his decision making and what he was doing and yeah. stuff like that, but. And it was just sad. And then uh, my other brother's kind of going down that route a little bit right now, like a lot of drugs. He won't admit it. And if he hears this podcast, he'd deny it. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, married, then divorced, has a couple kids, um, you know, can rarely make rent, you know, lot, lots of issues. One day I'll get a phone call, you know, that he's, that something's happened with him too. I, I just imagine. Uh, we've tried to help them both. I don't, I don't want anyone thinking that, that we haven't tried. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard. Uh, then my younger sister, uh, she married just a great guy. Um, and they live here in Utah, They live right? here in Utah, and yeah. he makes really good money, and he just takes – he just like, – kind of like the notebook. He just wants to take care of her. She has lupus like my mom, uh, so the prognosis for her isn't the greatest, but but they're just doing the best they can. And So anyways, uh, as I got older, I, I, I did. I felt guilty, uh, like we mentioned earlier, that that why did I make it, you know, and, and, and others didn't. And and um, so I, I started studying resiliency. Uh, resiliency is the ability to back, bounce back from adversity. Uh, you know, why is it that every now and then from the ghettos, a doctor, you know, one of them becomes a doctor or yeah. why is it that, that somehow I did that? And so I did my studies and, and that's what led me to school psychology. And I, I remember thinking, I, I want to be able to be a, a figure of resiliency for, you know, kids that are, that might be struggling. Yeah. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to have my, so I avoided, you asked earlier, why I didn't get a PhD? I, I avoided that because then you have your private practice uh, you pe- people that can't afford it come to you and you're still not helping the kids that you can't, that, that can't afford it. Yeah. So I, I knew if I worked for the public school system that, that you I, could, I, I could help reach everyone. more people. Right. Right. Um, and, and that's been great. And, and it's been a huge opportunity to be able to do that. Um, so fast forwarding a little bit. So 
I've been a school psychologist uh, for the last uh, 11, no, I started in 2006 as a practicum student. And then two years ago, I ended up becoming an administrator um, in the school district. Uh-huh. Um, and so anyway, so I have roughly 20 years of, of at least studying and then practicing uh, educational psychology, uh, a lot of experience in that. And then I continue to use that experience as, a, as an assistant principal. Um, but what was I going to say? I don't know. Where am I going with this? You're just kind of going with your background of, where, of how you got here. Yeah. But I, I was kind of interested in just because we've had conversations like this at like family dinner when you come over to my parents' house. Mm-hmm. But now I have a kid now and she's she just turned eight months and it's freaking crazy that she's this old. And I like find myself having like dad moments, like where I'm having to worry about my kid. Yeah. Like I had my first old man dad moment the other night on the freeway. These freaking hooligans were in these nasty old, which they think is cool, like 1980 Camrys. <laughs> There's like four of them. They were zipping through cars going like 90 miles oh, per hour. Man, dude, that's just I'm just like underdeveloped prefrontal cortex. That's yeah, basically. Yeah. And I'm like, I hope those people die. Right. <laughs> but I know I, I really don't. But I was just that pissed. I'm like, I was like, oh crap! Like I finally hit the stage of I'm a parent. And I think dumb behavior between about other generations of kids and stuff like that. So. But I've always had this fascination with like, are the other are the younger generations really screwed, or is it that just what every generation said about the other generation below them? Uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I recently went to a uh, conference and and we had a general generation specialist come visit us. And oh my gosh, at the thing, yeah, it was so good. Are they the if ones anybody, that if you guys can follow Kim? No. <laughs> She's only a 31, I think. Anyways, oh. her name's Kim Lear. So she's my age? She's out of uh, Wisconsin or somewhere in the East. Um, but yeah, follow her on Twitter, whatever it is. Uh, it's just fascinating. Probably. Her presentations is, is is almost addicting Like when you listen to her. But she, she'd presented to us. And, and at this conference, there was range from baby boomers to um, Which would have been millennials. Baby boomers would be my our parents' age? So I think... Uh, or that right before? My parents are in their sixties, so it's it's six. A, uh, if you were born in sixty five up to seventy nine. Oh no, they're before that then, because my mom and dad were born in. Hold the on, 50s. hold on, no, that's Gen X. That's yeah, Gen X. That's, sorry, that's sixty five to seventy. So it would be sorry, fifty to sixty four. So yeah, that's our parents. Yeah, my parents' generation. Yeah, and it then, might be forty five. I'm not exactly. And then sure the next the, one is is that you guys? So then you yeah, so sixty five to seventy nine, yep. and then you got eighty. To about ninety five, and I don't know exactly. That's millennials, and then yeah, and then you and got then Gen Z, Gen is the Z, newest one. and and at this, I mean, no one was older than twenty three or whatever. Yeah. So at this conference, we have uh, people from uh, baby boomers to uh, millennials, and so she 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 put this quote up on the board, and it said something like, "If if the future depends on the youth of today, I can promise you there will be no future." Ugh. You know, really just bagging on the. And she says, "When when do you think this was?" said oh and so you know people are throwing out baby boomers some what's the one called before baby boomers is someone oh, even throughout that one old people uh, i think it's the the best generation <laughs> or something like that the people who went to war the greatest generation or something like that yeah i, I don't know i have to look it up and you know we're throwing out all these things and, and so she shows who it's from and it's someone like like 800 bc oh yeah so like, it's ridiculous <laughs> and so what her point was is that we've been saying this for a long time um yeah you know, we, we're always concerned about the next generation, but somehow, some way, we always make it. And and I didn't come on this to talk about her stuff because uh, because I'm, I'm just not an expert with that. Um, not that it's not interesting because it was it was ridiculously interesting. Um, I'm just trying to look up the 
Anyway, I was trying to look up the name of the generation, but there's a bunch of crap yeah. on there. Well, when you get bigger, you'll have like a fact guy that like is constantly yeah. finding facts while we talk. Yeah, and I don't have to of... do it for me. Yeah. I don't do it for myself. Yeah, it'll be awesome. It'll but be awesome. Um, I was thinking about what we could talk about going forward on the topic, and we can just bounce around. But one thing is uh, obviously helicopter parenting has been. Oh, yeah, let's pull that up. Was a was a big thing in like what, the 90s probably? Um, and what would you? I, yeah, I feel like we've what, been talking about that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, like a a quick synopsis or definition of helicopter parent? So a helicopter okay. parent is the parent that's just constantly hovering over Hence the, the kid. helicopter, right? So just not letting them be independent, not letting them do, you know, really much. Um, you you just keep them away from yeah everything. I don't know. Um, yeah. So that's been a thing, and we've seen. They're saying that we've been seeing the, the actual. What would you call it? We've been seeing the results of that kind of parenting in the last five, ten years probably. Social media I don't think has helped at all either. But um, now the new parent yeah. that's going to be taking over is called the lawnmower parent. The lawnmower parent, right. So the basically this the in a nutshell, a lawnmower parent is to mow down every obstacle in their kid's way so they'll go through life without experiencing anything remotely unpleasant. Helicopter yeah. parenting was annoying enough for its notable hovering and swooping, and today we may all happily boil our own blood over lawnmower parenting, its troubling cousin. And that's yep. from an article called Mel Magazine. Yep. And one of the, one of the articles that I have, and, and maybe if I can pull it up while we're, while we're talking. Um, I can maybe link it. Or it actually like points out kind of like, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, then you know you you are a lawnmower parent. And some of the effects that we're seeing of that are... Um, well, I, yeah, let's just dive into this. Um, so first off, when going back to helicopter parenting before we set up the new generation lawnmower, yeah. what like have you clearly seen from your doing your your school psychology with with kids and whatnot? Have you can you clearly point out with all years now, like oh that that person definitely was being raised by a helicopter parent? Oh, uh, not, no, like, I think I think a lot of a lot of things come into play. Y- yes, I mean, do do I? Do I kind of look at this and go, oh yeah, you know, this yeah, is yeah, this yeah. is definitely kind of a parenting issue. Um, yeah, that happens. Uh, I, I think that there's other things that play a role, like you know, yeah. biology, disabilities, you know, things like that. Um, well, what are some from from just clearly, if you were to see the it be a parenting issue, like what are some signs of like that you've seen without giving any details or names like about what you've seen with helicopter parenting. Yeah. So lack, lack of independence. So not, not being able to make, you know, decisions unless mom's there to do it. So, uh, you know, okay. just when you talk to them, they almost feel like they can't, you know, do anything, you know, on they their have own. To second guess, like double check, like, yeah. Oh wait, let me check with my parents yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. have you, have you started to see lawnmower parenting yet? Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and for all you listeners, just forgive us for the bouncing around and things like that. But lawn, lawnmower parenting, what it ultimately does is it takes um, experiences away from kids. Like so, so the idea is, you know, lawn grows, and um, which, by the way, it's weird. Why does it become a lawn instead of grass? Yeah, I don't know. What's that, the distinction that is, between that is weird. Yeah. when you call grass grass and, and lawn grass? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And so, you know, the lawnmower parents, you know, just cutting down any growth, any growth. Um, so let, let me give an example. A kid kid leaves his homework at home. You know, mom and dad worked hard on it with the kid, you know, the night before. Yeah. Also an indicator of lawnmower parent. And the kid goes to school and the, and the parent says, oh, crap, the kid left it. And instead of the kid, you know, l- the parent letting the kid learn a lesson and get a low grade, uh, the parent brings brings the homework. homework. To school. To the school. To ditch right. out the kid or to, save to, the kid. To, to, to save the kid, yeah, to 
and and now that kid you know never learns to to bring his homework and so we're seeing that you know and it, taking a step back like that could be a simple like like let, let, you, it could be like a simple thing that like, oh, you don't think that your decision to help the kid or not to help the kid won't make a big right. impact. So I, I mean, in, in, the, in the little bit of reading that I've done on, on this and, and the experience that I've had is a, a, a helicopter parent hovers so much and doesn't even allow a kid to to have an opportunity to learn from a mistake. Yeah. Um, as far as like not even, not even like fate. So a helicopter parent would not do the homework for the kid but rather hover over to make sure the kid was constantly doing it. At least the kid's learning yeah. the responsibility of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And the helicopter parent would hover over the kid to make sure the kid brings the homework to school. Yeah. Whereas a lawnmower parent um, just just doesn't ever let the kid fail. And failure, you know, if you really think about what failure is, failure is not not getting the goal. Yeah. Right. When I mean, we've seen the inspirational billboards, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, he's 10,000 or hundred thousand, you know, missed foul, foul well, shots. That's the, but, and also the Wayne Gretzky quote. Yeah. And there's a Abraham Lincoln one. There's a yeah. Thomas Edison one, you know, um, uh, you know, he, 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 he I, I, what's the quote? He, I didn't have a, a, a thousand failures to, to get the light bulb. It was rather a thousand steps. Yeah. You know, and then but, like the Wayne Gretzky ones, like you never take, you never miss the shots you don't take or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. it's all that kind of stuff, right? So yeah. it is – failure isn't a bad thing, and and the lawnmower parent thinks it is. Um, yeah. So it doesn't let the kid fail. Well, because it's, uh, it's also associated with being uncomfortable because when you fail, you can cons- – it's that, like it's uncomfortable to go through those emotions and feelings of failing. Well, I th- and I so think- I think those parents don't even want the kids to even feel that. Right. And 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 you know, I don't know the reason for all those. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. there could be some where it's just that the parent doesn't want to look bad. You know, I don't want on record that my kid got an F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, somehow it's a reflection on them, uh, the failure, and, and, and so they're going to prevent it from happening. So they're going to bring the homework, you know, whatever it is. Um, and that's counterintuitive, like almost exactly to what – I'm assuming you studied and what you experienced as far as school yeah. psychology, child psychology, yeah. that you have to put these people in tough situations for them to learn. Because if you're just completely taking the ability for them to choose or for them to learn, then you're completely crippling them for the future. Yeah, Because I, mean, yeah. I would say that whole bringing the homework thing, would you say like doing that once would be a detriment to the kid or is it doing it over and over again that's a detriment to the kid's future? Doing it over and over like again, like ditching them out of right. So it just th- never letting them fail. Yeah, yeah. We we have to let them fail because failure. Really, the, the I mean, if you really want to look at what failure, failure is not trying. Yeah. Failure is sitting on the couch and never getting up. Mm-hmm. Failure is not. I tried to slam dunk and I hit the rim and fell back and hit my head. Yeah. <laughs> that's not failure. That's that's an opportunity to learn. That's yeah, an opportunity yeah, yeah. to grow. And. You know, or forgetting home, or forgetting homework at home, and not bringing that. I mean, yeah, on the surface, you might actually get an F, which represents failure. You know, for yeah, the yeah, grade yeah. of that homework, but that's not really failure. Failure, failure is not trying. Mm. Um, I, I'm trying to look up some. You know, if you've had these, if you've done these things, then you are a. Oh, then uh, you are a lawnmower parent, yeah, or a helicopter parent, and and man, I'm having the worst luck finding this. Well, that's fine. Um, one says here. Uh, um, as a child who has never had to deal with conflict on their own, um, will not approach the first test they bomb in college and say, yikes, I really need to study harder. I'll reach out to the graduate assistant and see 
if uh, they know any study groups I, groups I can join or any other materials I can read to do better on the next one. Instead, uh, kind of a victim of, of lawnmower parenting um, would say something or would blame the professor. Uh, call home and beg their parents to intervene. <laughs> that is, I, I have professor friends in college, uh-huh. and that's the case. You their serious? parents are calling to get their kids out of missing assignments or failed tests. It is in college, Ugh. in college. Yeah. Uh, have a mental breakdown or make <clears throat> themselves miserable. Uh, they write nasty reviews online about the professor in their class. Uh, they'll begin planning for the inevitable destruction of their college career or future. Uh, they're going to assume they failed because they're stupid. Or they might collapse in on themselves and give up completely and stop trying. This is this is ultimately kind of the result of lumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we do need one we do need to let our school. kids fail. Um, yeah, yeah. That was just one example. Well, how do you think it got like this? Um, I mean, obviously, it's probably a natural progression of. I, I think yeah. I think just like I said, our own fears of 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 raising not successful kids and us just not knowing and understanding that failure is good for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think that just the high pressure, you know, I mean, think about our culture in general. Like for a long time, we believed you have to graduate high school and you have to go to college. Yep. Well, we convinced all the millennials to do it and they got, and then, you know, interest rates went up and, or sorry, when I say interest rates, I'm talking about student loan. Yeah. Rates went up. So now these kids said, okay, I did what you told me to. I went to college. I'm a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt and there's no jobs. And we started realizing, wait, maybe you didn't have to go to college. Maybe, maybe you could have started mm-hmm. entry level in a career or, yeah. you know, at or go Burger like King and work your way up or go to a technical college. college or learn a trade or, you know, all these kinds of things. And so um, I just think that that, that kind of learning or, or, or idea that everybody had to do a certain thing to be successful um, kind of maybe led to this. But I, I'm not the expert on that. I, yeah, yeah. You know, believe me, turn to a sociologist kind of for that. Um, but what I want to talk about is is maybe a little bit more on wh- what what you can do as a parent. Um, yeah, it's something I'd like to know too. And I think there's some key underlining kind of philosophies or uh, concepts that, that maybe if we all understand, we can kind of adapt to our own parenting style. So, uh, you know, the first one, failure is good. Yeah. Kid, kids learning how to fail is, is great. Uh, rubbing it in their face constantly, probably not the best. Yeah. But, um, so there's two, there's two kind of, man, I have so many things going through my head right now. I'm trying to figure out how to organize this. Um, in short, if I had to give you kind of a one or two sentence kind of synopsis of what makes a great parent. Yeah. Um, it is, we model the behavior that we want our kids to see. So let me give you an example. Let's say the kid spills milk and we warned them, don't put the milk there. Your elbow is going to hit it and you're going to spill it. Yeah. The kid spills it. We freak out. Kind of like the whole, we don't, yell touch, the don't touch the oven thing. Don't touch the stove. Yeah. We freak out. We yell at the kid <clears throat> and we clean the mess. Now we did not, we, we think as parents, we, we really want to think that we taught that kid, hey, listen to me next time I say, don't put your cup there because yeah. your elbow is going to I you showed know. you. Yeah, exactly. But all the kid learned was, oh, okay. Um, Little things can get me really upset. Oh, that's they're watching that's your what behavior. The kid yep, the kid also also hears in in that my they don't like me right now. That's mm. what they're going to whisper in their head. Yeah, they don't like me right now, and oh, that's what I do when I'm upset. I yell, or I freak out over little things. Yeah. So you know the best parenting advice, if I had to give it in, in short, is just let you know let the little things go. And even let some of the big things go. Um, the more we learn about, you know, child development, brain development, 
I guarantee, I mean, look at your own life. You tried your best, didn't you? Even when you messed up, weren't you trying your best? Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, yeah. You work with what best you have. With the best knowledge with what knowledge I and have. And that's yeah. what that's what these kids are doing. And even sometimes when they have mistakes, that's part of them doing their best. And sometimes just navigating through what they can and can't do, and what they can and can't get away with. I mean, so another analogy, and something to kind of keep. Well, well, let me back up. Okay, so being positive with your kids. And when I say positive, there's been tons of research on this. You know, Harvard, Harvard. I mean, the gold standard of colleges did a 40 year long study. And they and, studied kids from a young age. Well, they studied a lot of them? different. Yep, absolutely. Uh. And they studied a lot of different variables. And one of the things that came out of it was um, which families, which parenting styles, which, you know, wh- whatever it was, factors played the most important role in them being happy and successful as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not necessarily to say money, but right, happy yeah, in yeah, their yeah. job, happy in their marriage. And it wasn't IQ. It wasn't. Uh, educational background from their family. It wasn't educational background from themselves. It wasn't uh, ethnicity. It wasn't, um, did I already say money? Like how much money the family had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because I remember learning that in school and also in a documentary that they did tons of research that, yeah, money can bring you happiness, especially if you're a bum. (laughs) But they say once you hit a certain threshold, I think they said it was around $50,000. They've done tons of research and surveys that beyond $50,000, your happiness yeah, level and doesn't change. I've, yeah, it's yeah. Right, right around there, but it doesn't change much after that. Right. But I'm even thinking like, like I mean, you're, you're thinking how much money you make. So yeah. even as a, you know, you had these wealthy families and they didn't necessarily produce happy kids. No. And, um, and, and when you think about it, they could have provided their kids with lots of opportunities, right? You know, soccer yeah. clubs and, and you know, uh, guitar lessons and, and all these things that maybe other poorer kids can't have. And you'd think... Oh, with these experiences, this person will have an enriched life and will be able to be happy. But those, those factors, none of those were as high as this one thing. And the one thing was the parents that caught their kids doing well more than catching them do bad. So they reinforced positive behavior instead of... They caught the kids do well. So let's push that. You, you come home after school and, you know, you're, it's your, let's say, you're, you know, first grade student. And, I'm a first grade student. Yeah, let's just say this, you know. Okay. And 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 I'm your dad, and <laughs> and you come home smiling, and I look at you and I go, "Oh my gosh, you love school. That is so great. That that warms my heart." Uh-huh. John, man, you're great. You know, I don't for, know if I can for, say for that. that. Sounds kind of or gay. whatever it is. Well, it has to be honest. That's <laughs> yeah, another thing. It does have to be genuine. Um, <clears throat> or you know, um, he pulls out you know something. You know, you pull out your first drawing or whatever yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. and and I just. Oh my gosh, that is so great. Whereas, you know, I'm not going to turn to you and say, hey, look, until that looks like, you know, something I can tell what it is, don't, don't even bother showing it to me, right? I don't got enough fridge space for that. <laughs> um, just catching your kid do well. You're going to have to catch your kid do naughty. Well, yeah. You have to, right? My, my two-year-old goes to run in the road. I run up and spank his butt. I want him to associate that road with pain, and I need him to yeah. because I don't ever, ever want him running into the road. Well, you don't want to associate him with the other pain of his leg being ran over. <laughs> right. <laughs> You'd rather do it with your hand instead right. of a car. Oh, um, yeah. So, so you have to catch kids do well, but if you're constantly catching, you know, get off the table. Don't touch your sister. You know, Oh, my gosh, stop doing that noise, right? If we're constantly doing those things yeah. and catching our kids do bad, it just doesn't produce – all the different things because you know ultimately what the study showed was kids that were caught doing well more than more than doing bad they had a higher self-esteem they had more confidence yeah. they tried new things they 
um, were more independent. They, you know, had a better self-understand, not just self-esteem, but self-understanding of who and what they can or who they are and what they can do. Yeah. And what well, I think personality too would obviously be a huge factor of that because if you're constantly catching them, would you, what was the phrase? Catching them doing wrong? Catching them do wrong. Mm-hmm. Like they could either be really like detrimental or they're like, they feel like everything they do is wrong. Mm-hmm. Or exactly you could have the kids who yeah. have a certain personality of like, well, I'm going to push back against this. Yeah. And then they can start heading, but, uh, head butting, not wait, yeah. butting heads with their parents either trying to push back on their, well, on so, so yeah. So let me behaviors. give some examples, uh, real, real life. Like, so once I started doing the studies in positive reinforcement, and this was years and years and years ago, I, I, I started presenting it to the teachers in my district. Uh, LDS Family Services uh, wanted me to help them mm-hmm. uh, present to uh, hopeful adoptive parents uh, that had to go through parent training courses. So I started doing these things and started kind of figuring some things that worked. And, and one of the things that I started doing, and I learned this from a professor at BYU, and I feel so bad that, that I, don't, I don't remember who it was uh, to give credit, but um, we played the I like that, I don't like that game. And this is with people that are learning, right? So um, I, I'll have like a bunch of parents, you know, they're coming for a parenting class. So let's say 60 people in the audience and, and I would ask for two volunteers. And, it, and the idea is I want to teach them the difference between catching someone do wrong and catching someone do right and mm-hmm. what that kind of does to their person, how effective it is. And so I'll, I'll get the two volunteers, have them leave. And when they, when they come, before they come back in, I explain to the group, okay, when the first person comes in, we want them to go this path. We're going to have them come in the door, turn right, go down the seventh row of chairs, turn left, go up to the front of the room, you know, turn right again. And the piano in the corner, we're going to have them hit a key on the piano. We're going to get them to do this only by saying, I like that when they go the right way. So when they go the way we want them to go, we're going to say, I like that. So like saying like hotter, colder, warmer, but. But we're only doing the, I like that. Yeah. You're not saying I don't like it. So if he goes, you know, left at the beginning of the door, we're just going to be quiet. Oh, um, okay. And what's interesting about this is almost a hundred percent of the time that I've done it. Uh, oh, by the way. We do that with the first person. And then the next person that comes in, we're going to only do, I don't like that. To do the opposite. So if you're going the right way, we're going to be quiet. And if if you go the the right way or the wrong way, then we're going to say, hey, I don't like that. Yeah. And the whole group says it together. So 60 people are yelling at this person, either I like that on one person. giant protest. Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny, right? (laughs) You got to make sure, one thing I learned, you got to make sure that the people, the volunteers you get actually like attention. Because if they don't like attention, whether you're saying I like that or not, you're getting a lot of attention. It could be a punishment to them. And so you got to be careful what you think is a punishment, what you think is a reward. So inevitably, though, um, the person that for the I like that, they don't know where to go. And and sometimes if they come right in the door and they don't turn right right away for us to say I like that, Mm -hmm. let's say they turn left, we're just quiet. So they're doing their own thing. They're like, hey, everybody's being quiet. This is so weird. And as soon as they turn around and face the right way, we all shout, I like that. I like that. And the kid's like, whoa, all right. You're the person, the volunteer is like, great. You know? And so I remember, the, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you guys my, my first one that I witnessed. And, and I wasn't the one doing this. This was Someone at the class. Yeah, it was a bunch of BYU students. So the first person comes in and, and she starts skipping. And she's going the right way. And she's skipping. And we're saying, I like that. I like that. I like that. And the point that she was supposed to turn left we were quiet and she kept going straight. Um, and she's like, but I'm still skipping. Oh, skipping she, like, yeah, like she was just skipping. skipping like she thought joy. we were saying I like that because she was skipping. Was this an actual kid or just a volunteer parent? No, this one was a student at BYU. Student. Okay, so, okay. but it's a, an adult. Yeah. And she's like, but I'm still skipping. And what she, you know, what she didn't know is we were saying, I like that because of the direction she was going, not because of what she, cause she wasn't given any, the, 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 the volunteers are not given any instruction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, we just tell them go in the room and they're like, well, what are we doing? We're not telling you. Well, yeah. 
So she's like, but I'm skipping. And you guys were saying I like that. And so she starts crawling now back the other way, uh, once again, towards that point where she's supposed to turn. And we're like, I like that. I like that. I like that. And she passes the point where she's supposed to turn. And she looks up at us. She's like, but I'm crawling. You guys like that. You guys liked it when I was skipping. You guys liked it when I was crawling. But then suddenly you guys don't. What's going on? You guys make up your minds. And she was really funny. And, and we did this for three minutes. She never turned. And I remember looking at the professor and I'm going, what are you trying to teach us? Positive reinforcement gets them to do nothing but laugh. <laughs> like, cause this kid was, was laughing and she was, you know, tr- you know, being fun and creative yeah. and it was great, but it took a long time. But once she figured out, once she did turn left, she got it in 10 seconds after that. Yeah. And, and it was to go to the front of the room, turn left. There was a wall, a phone hanging on the wall and she was to go pick it up and talk into it, or act like she was talking into it. Uh, okay. And that was the goal. That was for the, I like it. Right. So then the, I don't like that kid comes in. And when I say kid, I mean, he, like I said, it was a college student. Um, I thought it would be fun. This is the first time I've seen it. I thought it'd be as funny as the previous girl. Cause like I said, she was creative. She made us laugh. I was, I actually rolled out of my chair laughing so hard. So he comes in and I learned real quick. This one isn't as fun. You know, we said, I don't like that to him the first time. And you could see his face just drop, just what's going on here. And he figured it out 20 seconds. He was at the front of the room. Mm-hmm. And I look again at the teacher. I'm like, so you're teaching us that positive reinforcement doesn't get it done. And Negative reinforcement. Ne- negative, or uh, those are wrong words. It would actually be positive punishment and positive um, reinforcement. That that's psychological terms that I'm not going to spend time teaching yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, Let's yeah. just t- call it punishment and reinforcement. Okay. Uh, so punishment works evidently. Get some what we want to do. And anyway, so he gets to the front of the class, and there's a desk in front of him, and and some sunglasses sitting on that desk. And he goes to grab the sunglasses and the kid sitting at the desk along with the whole class says, I don't like that. Right. Cause he wasn't doing what we wanted him to do. And he throws the sunglasses back at me. He goes, well, I don't like you. You can start seeing this negativity come out. And he's and not like, acting. He's like, this no, is this is this real is legit. reaction to the. So to he the goes to the whiteboard thing. and he starts to write on the whiteboard. And once again, not what you're supposed to do. And he, he gets a foot and a half. I mean, a step and a half away from the phone on the wall and he's facing that way. Yeah. So if he's facing that way and he's close to it, we're quiet. We're not saying, I don't like that. He takes a half step to the left and we're like, I don't like that. He takes a half step to the right. And we're like, I don't like that. So then he stands there and he stands there for 30 seconds. That's a long time quiet in front of a classroom. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And eventually someone says, cause he's just standing there now at this point, he's not moving. He's yeah. not going anywhere. He's not doing anything. Yes. He's facing the phone, but he's not he's going not doing anywhere. The actual thing so someone do. says almost like a question. They go, I don't like that. And the rest of the class goes, yeah, I guess I don't like that. I don't like that. He never picks up the phone. He turns around, starts writing on the board. We're screaming, I don't like that. And he writes huge on the board, I don't care. And he gets in his seat. This is an adult college student, right? This Freak. Is, this isn't just a kid. Yeah. And I loved it. And so, like I said, I've, I've done the same thing. And similar things happen almost every time I've ever done it. That I like that person. It takes them longer to figure it out, but they always get it done. The punishment the i don't like that one mm-hmm. they always figure out what they want us to do quicker but they don't always get it done and when they do or get it done they're still all. not happy yeah so i started thinking i won't say a name because it's someone you know yeah yeah i remember there's this girl in high school great parents parents that have helped me but they're constantly telling me well you're doing it wrong but oh not like that you're doing it wrong yeah, you're doing yeah, it wrong yeah. you're doing it wrong you're doing it wrong that's that's what she heard most of the time and she did what this guy did. Remember that? The I don't like that guy. He yeah, stood yeah, there for yeah, a long yeah. time and did nothing. When she graduated high school, she went in her room. She put on her headphones. She blocked out her parents. She did nothing. Her parents finally came in and said, I don't like that. You got to go to college. So she immediately marries the first guy that she met and has a horrible, horrible. He's a drunk. He's a, he's a druggie. 
they live. Well, I won't give. I like yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, give yeah. too many details. And this all this I think this all came from just this kind of overly negative catching do wrong kind of parenting. Yeah. And um. And it's just been an interesting thing to to experiment. And when I do this with 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 these parenting groups as well as with the teachers, um, they always come to me afterwards and say, "I cannot believe how effective that was in changing my perspective." You know, I I can think of this little kid Johnny in my class that is constantly, you know, on his desk, you know, doing the right thing. And I'm constantly catching him do wrong. And he hates me. He doesn't know that I'm doing this because I love him. I do. I, I do. I tell him not to do these things because I love him. Mm-hmm. If I didn't care about him, I would just let him do his thing and I'd send him to the office every day. Yeah. But I do love him. And I want him to change. And, and, and the teacher tells me, but I guess he's not knowing that I love him mainly because I don't catch him do well ever. I'm you like, yeah. Him doing wrong. So the ratio that, 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 most <clears throat> studies say is, is four to one. You want to catch a kid do four things good before you ever catch him do anything bad. So if you find yourself catching him do bad, make sure before you catch him do another bad thing, you're, 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 you're finding times that they're good. And, and we're not used to that. I mean, think about, you know, the mom that's cooking dinner. And yeah. The kids are quietly watching TV. And if they're quietly watching TV, the mom is going to continue to cook dinner. The mom doesn't it's eat, quiet give time for any to get things done. Right. The kid, the mom doesn't give them any interaction until Johnny hits Susie. As soon as Johnny hits his younger sister, mom's all over that. Yeah. Gives him attention for that. Um, there's no positive, right? So the alternative would be, man, you guys are being so good watching TV. Make sh- let's make sure to have a, a good dessert tonight. Yeah. Or, you know. Oh. Does that no mean time? No, just keep going. Oh, good. Is, was it really? It, no, it just means that I didn't extend the thing too long. It's happened before. So we're we still recording? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. People might just hear that for a um, quick second. So on the one hand, we, we really need to be catching our kids too well. Now, it, like I said, it doesn't need to be false. You wouldn't you wouldn't say, um, hey, Johnny, get off the table. Oh, crap, I have to do four positives. Uh, Johnny, I like your haircut. Your sweater looks nice. Um, <laughs> just listing you know, them off to, right, to do them. Right, right. They do need to be genuine. Yeah. Um, on, the, on the opposite side, um, kids really do need structure. They need to know. Well, let me let me give this example. Uh, there's there's no such thing as a free range dairy cow. There there is such thing as a free range beef cow. You can have that. And free range chicken. <laughs> you can't have free range dairy cows, and it's not just for the simple purpose of what's well, harder to gather them in when we need to milk them. No, if you have a a free range dairy cow, um, they have no idea what's going to hurt them, what's going to get them. They're scared, and and a scared unhappy cow does not produce produce good milk. No. So you put a fence around them and you'd think that they'd immediately be happy. They're not. They hate the fence. They hit the fence. They kick the fence. They headbutt the fence every inch of it. Costs the farmer's money they when go, they got to replace the fence. <laughs> well, no, they, they knock it as much as they can. Um, but when they're done and they've tested every inch of it, they relax. And they actually learn that they're safe. And when they're safe, they're happy and they produce good milk. And now they have a structure of this is where I live. Kids it's... are very much the same way. You're very good that you're saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they need borders. They need expectations. Some boundaries. Uh, boundaries. Exactly. It's great. Um, so, you know, uh, you put a curfew in and your, te- your teenager comes home five minutes from curfew. You follow through with the consequences that's been previously established with him to remind him, hey, these are the rules. Yeah, yeah. You cross them, here's the consequence. But that's, oh, that's the greatest thing about consequences. If you can set up consequences with the child beforehand, then it's not you giving them a consequence. It's them earning a consequence, which is a very different choosing thing, to earn right? the consequence. Yeah. So, um, cause you're not surprising them with a the consequence. Right. It's like, and, well, now you're grounded. Like, right. What the heck? Like right. I, if, I if you s- said, 
if you're late by this much time, this is going to be the consequence. Are we clear on that? And if so, it's almost like you're making an agreement. Absolutely. Okay. And then when they come up, and here's the beauty of that you don't have to be mad at them. You don't have to ruin your relationship with them and when you give the consequence. And have an argument, all that stuff. Right. Um, so you might, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like what that would look like, right? So uh, they do um, something wrong. They, they come home late. I mean, we can stick with the curfew. Yeah, yeah, they you're come sitting home late. there in your robe. Like, and... Oh, John, I am so sorry that you are late. So you're grounded tomorrow, but I am curious, how was your night? <laughs> right? You still want to be able to show that interest because what we're learning is relationship is everything. And not not Disneyland daddy relationship, right? It's not, yeah, I'll yeah, give you yeah. everything you want when you want it. That's not a good, that's yeah. not what I'm promoting here. I'm promoting having boundaries, having expectations, and they could even be high expectations. Yeah. But um, it's pre-talked about with the kid. You know, they, they know the consequences. You know, like with um, my boy, we have we have timeouts and we've established there's certain behaviors that happen when you get a timeout. And if you argue with the timeout, we'll just double it. And if you want to keep arguing, we'll just keep adding on 10 minutes each time. Yeah. And, he, and he's quickly learned, you know, that when he gets a timeout, even if he doesn't agree with it, you know, like, yeah, he hit his sister, but he has a great reason why is he hit his sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he goes to timeout, and then we talk about it, and they're always calm when he comes – you know, he's always calm when he comes out, and it's it's just great. Having that structure, it helps a kid feel safe and secure, and and they need that. They need that foundation because when they were babies, that's one of the first things that they learned. Mom and dad will take care of me. Someone is taking care of me. It's the first, they don't have language for it, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that, that comfort is what they need. Um, well, that that to some degree is opposing – the the earlier concept that I mentioned that you have to be positive with the kids, right? Yeah. So catch them do well, make them feel good about themselves, you know, things like that. Whereas catching them do wrong and setting those boundaries and having punishments in place seems counterintuitive. But those two put together is actually is is really 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 effective on because they're getting the being a good parent. That's about the right phrase, but they're getting the best of both worlds where yeah. they're learning about their, their brain needs the structure and they're learning about positive reinforcement mm-hmm. and what happens when you make the choices that lead to positive reinforcement or punishments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, cause well, cause what you might say might be what the listener's thinking too. So you, you say yours. Well, I don't like, it's just how, like, cause the, the whole thing of like, cause I feel like obviously I'm a millennial, but I feel like I still grew up with parents. And I still have siblings and like people like you, I know. Right. Um, it's been an hour and seven minutes. Oh, I'm so sorry, listeners. Man. No, you're good. We can wrap it up in the next couple minutes. Well, I have this other story I want to share. No, that's fine. Um, so, uh, no, but like, I, I still feel like, even though I'm a younger generation of that stigma, I still feel like I'm part of the older part of that millennial generation. But you were born? 87. So I oh, think yeah, you I'm, definitely are a millennial. I'm earlier on the millennial. I'm not like 95, you know, kind of thing. But I still feel like I still learned all those those important skills of you know personal responsibility and like, you have the choice to make what choice you want, but there are consequences and things like that. And I feel like I've picked up on, you know, good parenting skills from, you know, you know there's things obviously I don't want to do that, you know, maybe my parents did or my siblings did. But do you, like, was it scary, like, first trying to implement stuff with your own kids? Because, for instance, oh, I the whole so health- for my kids. I know. For the whole- were, I was going to school. That They were guinea pigs ah, I for see. me. So I tried all sorts of different things. So, so it wasn't consistent for them. So, for instance, like, I'll be- uh, so I work from home and I take care of my daughter and she'll be on the blanket on the floor in front of me playing with her toys and she's learning to crawl now. And sometimes she'll 
little fuss to be like that she can't get to what she needs to. So sometimes I'll take the toy and bring it to her. So you're then, worried about the lawnmower parent? Yes. So sometimes I, but that's just so I can get back to work. Now, it, sometimes it's right when I do that, I'm like, crap, like, am I already implementing? I just helped her get the toy easier or should have I let her fuss a little bit and try to work it out. And so now I've been trying to like balance out. Yeah, it's just weird. I think some, sometimes help because that helps the relationship too. Oh, he yeah, cares yeah. about me. He's watching out for me. And, just, then, and then other times, yeah. Maybe not them, try to overthink it as much. Right. And honestly, I mean, you, you wouldn't let a hungry baby cry for a long time, would you? No, no, no. no, no. You, you know, you want to nip that as quick as you can. I guess that will change as they learn how to communicate and there's a different kind of relationship. Because I've already noticed even her being eight months that our relationship has changed. Yeah. Because we can tell we, we she's got a personality and it's going to continue to change. And so anyway, that's just kind of something I brought so, up. Like, I mean, I do um, want to bring up something else. Kids are extremely resilient, you know. Um, yeah, I freaking the, they the, bump their head all over the time and then, and then they're fine. Yeah, no, they, they can that's bounce physical, back from that. I've worked with kids resilience. who have gone through serious, serious struggles. Not just physically, uh, you know, but like yeah, emotional abuse, yeah. emotional abuse, you know, things like that. And 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 they make it, you know, some, some of them, you know, they, they, they need external resources and, and skills uh, to be taught to them on how to get over it. But um, I don't want anyone listening today to think that they're going to mess up their kids. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we play a big role, but kids are extremely resilient. Um, I also want to point out, if you even care about being a good parent. You already one up on a lot of other people who right, don't. Right, right. I mean, so don't beat yourself up, basically. Exactly, exactly. The fact that you're trying, the fact that you are, you know, because you're wanting to 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 do what you're doing. Best. The first step of right. recognizing that you're even right. caring, right? Or some people are just like, no, nah, I don't care, right? So, um, saying you wanted to tell now the we're, story. Well, we're not getting into behavior management per se, but I, I did want, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Let, let, let's not talk about behavior management. That might be another time. Um, one of one of the other aha moments that I had, um. One in my second year being a school psychologist was there was this one uh, fourth grade student who um, was a good student. Uh, she got sick, um, and so she missed a couple weeks of school. It was like the flu or something. And somewhere in there, well, so, so she'd feel good one day, and so she'd come to school, and then realize maybe she shouldn't come to school that day because she was still kind of not. Feeling How well. old are you in fourth grade? Like ten? Yeah, ten years old. Yeah, yeah. So okay. she she then would stay home the next day, and she started learning that. If she's sick, she she doesn't have to face the struggles of school. Because let's face it, school's hard. Yeah, dealing with friends, dealing with rumors, dealing with lies, dealing with hard work, dealing with you know what Sitting you think in is class a, for a long period of time. Right, right. Um, it's it's hard. I mean, just learning, exercising things you don't know. You know, it, it, it's hard. But because the expectation to go is there, and there's no other option, we are able to to just convince yourself, well, there's no other option. I have to go to school. Yeah. So I'm going to go to school. This so I'm going to make the best of it. You start does. learning that skill. I'm going to make the best of it. Well, this girl started learning the opposite. Wait, there is another option. I, I can stay home. I can get out of this. Right. Uh. So what ended up happening, she started getting severe anxiety and she would, the severe, the anxiety was so big that she would throw up. So her mom thought, oh, wow, you're, you're still sick. So it turned into a physical. She was taking another doctor. Yeah. yeah. She was, you know, but now two months into it, her mom's like, oh my gosh, this, this girl can't come to school. She's an emotional wreck. Um, and this anxiety set in, right? And so the mom finally calls me, uh, cause I didn't know about this beforehand and she says, you know, please help. And I said, okay, well, I, I don't know much about this. I'm still new at this, but just, just bring her tomorrow and, and we'll have somebody outside helping you get her out of the car. And the mom's like, I don't know, even sometimes just getting in the car is hard. And we're like, no, 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 Let, let's at least make this our goal. You know, the next couple of weeks, let, let's make sure we get her here. And, and it wasn't clicking for me, the option thing. And I'll get to there. And so the mom pulls up and it was, it was hell. 
Um, the, Temper the tantrum. Mom, oh, yeah. Mom, and she's really just reaming her mom. Mom, you don't love me. I can't believe you're doing this. You're throwing me into the lion's den. Like, this is so horrible. You know I have anxiety, you know. Uh-huh. And, and the mom just put her head down in the steering wheel, just started crying. And we had me and an aide and, and literally the girl's horizontal. She's holding on to like the, the seatbelt, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and we have her horizontals. We're trying to get her out of this car. And, it, and I mean, it looked like child abuse. It was horrible. And yeah, I was yeah, worried yeah. about the traumatic experience we were giving her. And she finally comes in. Mom drives away. Um, and, and I remember telling the mom, go, go, just go, go. You know, she's out of the car. <laughs> and she actually gets into class and she's okay. Because at this point now she has to be here. She might as well make the best of it. Yeah. The next day was horrible. The next day was horrible. The next day was horrible. Uh, two weeks solid. It's horrible. Uh, same kind of experience every same time. Same kind of experience every time. And I'm like, this isn't working, you know. Well, I'm there this particular because I wasn't at that school every day because I, I had a bunch of schools that I had to work at. And, but I was there this one morning. The van pulls up. We're ready for this. The van door opens and she hops out. And she says, bye, mom. Love ya. And skips by me. Thought it was a different girl. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, you should have seen my job. So drops. And I look at the mom and I'm like, did you give her egos for breakfast today? Like, was there a different routine? Like what happened? And the mom says, no, I'm going to a job interview. And the psychologist in me was thinking of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I don't know if you've heard about yeah, that, but, but physical yeah. needs need to be met before, yep. you know, and safety needs to be met. And then there's connection and then a kid can thrive. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe this kid was worried about money and jobs and, and their family having stuff. And, and that's what prevented her from. And as I'm trying to calculate in my head, the mom the mom goes, no. And she points to her outfit and, and she's nicely dressed. She goes, no, no, no. I'm going to a job interview. I, I can't take her home with me. Like she can't stay home. Yeah. Well, then it dawned on me. When the option is gone, when the option of going home was gone, this girl had no anxiety. She, she was able to go. She couldn't make him an excuse. Right? I, I, I kid you not. You know, I'm, I'm this one kid in, in our, um, area heard of another kid coming home off of his mission, coming home early from his religious, religious excursion, excursion, two year religious excursion. And you could almost see it click in this kid's head. Oh, that's an option. Oh, well then yeah, I'll go on my mission because there's an option to come home. And what do you think he did? Came home. He came home early. Why? Because he saw it was an option. So it was an option. He actually wasn't going to go on his mission because he was so nervous about going. But when he saw that other kid come home, he thought, oh, okay, well, I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll come home. What are we teaching our kids? This is lawnmower there's, parenting. This is result of lawnmower there's parenting. A, uh, there's there's no, an out. Right. If you feel uncomfortable, there's an out. Right. Um, you don't. You, you Right now, you don't have fear of floating away. Floating me? Yeah, just floating away into space. No. Just being dead. No. <laughs> no. You don't have that fear because it's not an option of happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, put, we started saying, you know, it's an option to be so anxious about your teacher that we'll change you classrooms. Uh, you well, have, it's also trying to find that balance though of like, yes, you need to be put into uncomfortable situations, but then they can't be what I'm trying to think of. Cause yeah, we need, we need, we do need to go through these uncomfortable situations, but then there is a balance of there are legitimate reasons to pull someone out of a class or for someone to come home from you a know, mission f- early. I think fewer than, fewer than we're allowing. Yeah. And, and that's going to be hard. That's that it really is. Uh, I don't know how to look a kid in the eye and say, Hey, I know you have anxiety, but I'm going to send you away to a foreign country for two years. And I'm telling you right now, you cannot come home. Yeah. But let me tell you, <laughs> I had anxiety. Yeah, uh, yeah John. Yeah. I did, man. I did. Huge. That's the first time I ever been. I went freaking Philadelphia. It was like yeah. three thousand miles away. Yeah. That was it. And it's a whole new world over there. Though, the but. only thing that kept me there was was that there wasn't an option to come home. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, so I, I think the more we can take kind of these 
you know, look, you, you can have a hard time. You can fail even. Yeah. But you're not going to give up because that, and so we've come full circle. That's the true failure is when you don't try. You, you got to get out there and try. Yeah. Um, and this is more life skills kind of stuff. So I, 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 I want to talk more about the parenting thing and the, the influence that we can have on our kids, but um, I realize we have been talking a long time. So, yeah. Um, can I ask you yeah, one go. last thing? And maybe this will just go for a couple more minutes. Why do you think, other than we're giving people an out, that's what maybe why anxiety and depression is possibly going up or one factor? Yeah, I mean, you can look at a lot of correlational things, and, and I guarantee you're going to see a lot more studies come out on this. Yeah. But, um, you know, an, an odd coincidence yeah, is yeah, that, yeah. Uh, you know, you start looking at, like, well, I think it was like 12% of, you know, girls um, express anxiety and depression, you know, clear up to like 2006 or something like that. Yeah. But then suddenly in 2007, 2008, it doubled. Well, then also in, in two years. you've known about the same person like Jonathan yeah, Haidt. Right. In this podcast on Joe Rogan, he yeah. brought the numbers in his book about in 2014, like depression, anxiety, and cutting yourself with females. It was 2010. I oh, think you said. Yeah, so. females have gone up. Like, so, yeah, so crazy. that was the, so this weird coincidence of anxiety and depression and cutting and actual feels. Because some people would say, you know, uh, is anxiety and depression, it's just we're overdiagnosing. Well, yeah. no, the, the actual number of suicides is going up. The actual number of, of self harm is going up. So, but what, then we're not overdiagnosing. Suicide is going up higher in males, but depression and anxiety is going higher up in females. And they think the factor or one factor, they're not. Them that to do more research is social media is not helping. So right. For, so for the so the correlation females. here is that social media was born. Yeah. Uh, iPhone was born. You know those kinds of things. So this yeah. correlation of, of that and and you can see it. You can see. Um, it it kind of makes sense to the mind that if I'm constantly looking on Instagram and and it means a lot to me when someone gives me a like, um, but it hurts me when I don't. Someone get any doesn't likes, get a like. Yeah. Or it hurts me when I see that you know my friend George is you know living the life you know doing this and this and this and this and and here I am having a crappy one and yeah and th- and that even i need to lie and take a picture of something good i'm doing um so that everyone thinks that i'm there Having and then fun then you start feeling fake and yep. that affects um self-esteem which goes into you know anxiety depression you know those kinds of things right so um anyways i i think that the lawnmower parenting us taking options away is increasing um, anxiety. anxiety just like this girl she had no anxiety when the option was gone she has tons of anxiety when the option is there um, that's one thing. So, so because it's the giving her a, a way out and mm-hmm. a, to be able to give up. Yeah. To say I, I just don't need to do this right now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Instead of just saying no, I have to face this hard thing and I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah. Do you have much background when you studied the, the for the child development and the just educational development? Did you study a lot about emotion? What do you mean? Like how to deal with emotions, how to uh, identify your emotions, how to use, once you've identified an emotion that you've never felt before, that you'd be able to use it later on in your life. Did you guys study emotion uh, at all? I think, I think we're, I'm continuing to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So. Because I learned a lot from my favorite teacher. His name's Paul Parkin. Uh-huh. He's a, he's a PhD, but he's a communication interpersonal and all that stuff. But his, his uh, thesis was on, uh, was it thesis? No. His, uh, his dissertation, dissertation was doctor, on empathy. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But so, he talked about an emotion wheel where you have all your emotions out here. And he'll even to this day, he says a lot of people in our generation, now we're learning through this research that we didn't know how to identify emotions and people don't know how to express their emotions. So he was trying to teach us once you've identified an emotion, 
like, oh, I've never felt that way before, that once you've done that, you can put it almost on your, your you know, fake tool belt. And now when you come across that experience again of anxiety or whatever the situation is, now you know how to deal with that emotion because you felt it before and now you can use it. There you go, motion fuel. Boom. If you're no one, anyone's listening, uh, Sean's holding up a uh, piece of paper with like a, was that an oven? So that's a, that's a car battery. Car battery. <laughs> and it's got the positive side. Yeah, yeah. And it's got the negative side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we constantly think that that if in order to be happy, in order to be successful, in order to be resilient, we have to have these positive emotions like self-respect and hopeful and yeah, happy yeah, yeah, and accepted yeah. and gratitude and relaxed and all those things. And if, if you have disappointment or anxiety or sorrow or anger that, that now you, you can't be successful. You, you can't, can't be, function. Yeah. And 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 what we're finding is is no, that's false. So so a big key to this is identifying how you feel, but then using that for fuel. Yeah. Because when you think about, you know, I, I'd, I'd watch Kobe Bryant, huge Laker fan, um, and he would play better when somebody pissed him off. Because uh, it would he motivate was, him to it would motivate play even more. We can use disappointment. We can use loneliness and sorrow and anxiety to actually motivate ourselves to do better. Yeah. And it's um, good to feel those things because now you know what it feels like. Yep. And you yep. just got to turn around and use it for a... Right. More positive so, and, and so that's a big key for resiliency mm. um, is being able to use all emotions for fuel to, to be better, yeah. to be successful. Um, but that, that really is, I mean, it's, it's literally the only two pieces of paper I brought. So it's funny that, you know, you mentioned it here, but um, yeah, it, it would, it, this would take a long time to go yeah, over. That's fine. Uh, no, we can do it another time, but uh, yeah. no, so we've come full circle and uh, talking about failure and, resilience and whatnot so mm-hmm. um let, let 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 your kids fail yeah um don't, don't let them run in the street i mean there's things that we're gonna yeah, stop yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. um but but what was the two sentence thing that you the, said the, earlier that that one is just kids learn more from our actions than our words yeah if i yell at a kid um doesn't matter what i'm saying he's gonna hear you're you don't like me right now yeah when I yell at a kid, he's also going to learn, oh, this is what I do when I'm angry. Mm. So you're going to create yeah. a short-tempered kid. Um, now, I'm not saying don't ever yell at your kids, and, and there's times for that. But if you have the preset consequences, um, see, because if you if you get mad at someone you love and, and that person's receiving it, your anger and disappointment towards them, believe me, it is a punishment. Yeah. So if you yell at them and send them to timeout, you just punish them twice. Mm. You don't need to. Yeah. Um, so if you yell at them, you probably shouldn't be given the other punishment. But to be honest, the one that you need to be taking out is the yelling at them. Yeah. Um, discussions about why, you know, it was a good idea or a bad idea, you know, th- that's great. Typically happens after the consequence. Um, but just setting up the consequences and letting those be the punishment, not your relationship, not your love for them. That's not the punishment, the, the disappointment, the anger. It's just so, and this is something I've had to learn the hard way because I do have a short temper, and I do and too. So, I, I well, yelled dis- at my. I've discovered, I've I've gone through. You ever have you gone through spurts in life where you didn't have a short temper, but in certain stages of your life, you start the temper comes back more. <laughs> no, I lose I, it. I, I no, <laughs> well, I lose it sometimes, and I'm pretty sure every parent goes. That's why they tell you to put your baby down. The baby's crying, and you can't freaking. Yeah, absolutely. And I've discovered I've. For the most part, it takes things to get me going or get me around as far as short temper. But I've discovered having a baby, having a kid, that that short fuse is a lot shorter when I can't figure out or why they just keep crying. So hmm. I'm assuming it's going to get – that's what I'm scared about too. As I, I've – again, the lucky – like you said, I've recognized it. I'm caring, and now it's learning how to 
okay, what do I do with this? When I feel like a short fuse is about to happen, what do I do? Yeah. And, and I've, me, the your... last week or two, I've done a lot better to where I've actually recognized it and I've set myself up for success where like I go into the situation of her crying, trying to figure out what it is. And I'm a lot more patient and I've, cause I've had to recognize it and take a step back and figure out how do I go about doing it next time? Yeah. So anyway. And I mean, not your baby cause she's just a baby, but yeah, yeah. as they get older, they like, they will learn from your example and they will, they will see, oh, this is how you problem solve. You, you can teach them to your face is blue with words saying, Hey, whenever you're faced with a problem, kind of look at maybe, you know, decide what, yeah, yeah, what yeah, things yeah. might, might do best for this and what's your ultimate goal. And you can try to teach them how to problem solve, but the biggest way they're going to learn is what they've seen you do. Yeah. No, dad, I saw you, you were doing that. You were screwing that screw in and it didn't go. And you threw the, you threw the, uh, screwdriver across the room. Yeah. That's how you deal with problems. Um, so we got to be careful. We, we got to fix ourselves a little bit before, yeah, yeah, yeah. before, uh, you know, we expect them to. Anyway. Well, totally have you on again, Sean. Man, so can this talk was more so about, fun. I, I know, love talking about this stuff. Way fun. I've had, I think my longest podcast was two hours, but anyway, oh, I don't like I'm, to, uh, I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah. No, it's fine. I, Sorry listeners. No, you're good. This is only an hour and 20. This is about average. Okay. Good. Sometimes 60 minutes anyway, but, uh, Sean Gallagher, thanks for coming on. John um, Lyon, you're awesome. No, thanks. Hope you, did you drink all your Coke Zero? Because if not, I'm going to I'm finish. taking it home, Okay. Because <laughs> if not, I was going to finish it. No. This is hitting the spot. I'm normally a Dr. Pepper fan, but sometimes you got to change it up, you know? And yeah. This is, wow, this is really good. Well, once I started drinking soda again, I can't do actual soda. I've just gotten to diet soda, so mm. I drink a bunch of those. And the funny thing is diet Dr. Pepper now tastes like regular Dr. Pepper to me. Yeah, it's you weird. drink it long enough. Yeah, yeah. I actually preferred it. It, yeah, yeah. it tasted sweeter. It was great. But, but anyway, so uh, this has been episode 61 of the John Lyon podcast and uh, peace out everybody. Hey, thank you so much. See you guys. Yep.